at the Transformers Church, our mission is to help you guys discover and become who God has called you to be in Christ Jesus. You may think, or you may be asking, so what's the meaning of that? Now, from the very beginning, when God created the entire earth, when he created the world, everything was perfect, everything was good. There was no brokenness. There was no you know, anxiety, depression, and all kind of lies and deception that we go through today. You know, after the fall of man, Satan brought in you know, murder, anxiety, depression, death, and all kind of stuff. And Jesus came to restore every good thing that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. And it's not only the, um, it's not enough that we are aware of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. What is most important is that we are able to believe and hold on to it. As you with me, that the name you answer to or how you see yourself determines how you behave in life and what how you I mean what you see in life in a sense. So at Transformers Church, what we do is to help you see to understand what God says about you in Christ Jesus. So that when you begin to call yourself that name, when you begin to call yourself blessed, favored, you, know, you, you begin to experience favor, blessing in your life. But when you begin to see yourself, or if you, if you keep seeing yourself as not good for anything and all kind of negative things or names that the world call you today, you realize that that's what you see in your life. But God wants you to see his goodness, his kindness, his love for you in his word. Amen. And um, I can go on and on trying to explain to you, trying to show you guys who we are, I mean, what we're called to do. And I believe that even in this meeting this morning, you'll be able to learn one or two things. I mean, you'll be stirred up on the inside to want to get closer to the Father, to see who he's called you to be and choose to answer to that name. Amen. You know, I once met someone one day and they said their name is called Demon. Demon, as in devil demon, yeah. And I was thinking in my mind, like, well, how would your parent, why on earth would your parent give you a name demon? Right? But if you see the guy, how he behaves, he behaves like a demon. Yeah, because simply acting out the name given to him. Amen. But there's a name, there's a supernatural name that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. He said, you are a child of God. Uh, is it First uh, John 3, 1 says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. Regardless of how you feel, you may feel God deserted you, God doesn't like you, God doesn't love you. Regardless of how you feel, what God says about you does not change and is constant. Amen. Your responsibility is to believe, hold on to it, and you will experience it. Amen. Praise God. So this morning, I'm going to continue in our series titled Knowing the Holy Spirit. Knowing the Holy Spirit. Today, I'll be focusing on what we call baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many people in the house here today pray in tongues? Do you pray in other tongues? You do? You don't? You don't. Fantastic. So, Next week, I will cover much, uh, uh, in much detail the praying in tongues aspect of things. Um, as my custom is, I, tr I, mean, I try to explain the Bible to us to the, to the level whereby you will need somebody to help you misunderstand it. So which means you will understand it. Right. You will need somebody to help you not to understand it. Right. So which means 
what you may hear from a pastor in one hour, I, I may teach it for four weeks because I want you to understand it. Please. Shinis, am I right? Yeah, so please, feel free to ask me any question. If you, if you have ever come across anything in the Bible that does not make sense to you, tell me, pastor, this does not make sense. And we'll sit down and we'll look at it together. I get to me. So at Transformers Church, we question the Bible. What does the Bible say? Why does it say it? We don't practice religion. And you will get to have a feel of it as we carry on. Amen. So let me lay the foundation of this baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many people know what, who the Holy Spirit is? Have you heard about him? Holy Spirit? So tell me something. What do you think? Of, what was the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah. He lives inside of us. He's in God form. Okay, let me put some context to it. So the Holy Spirit, you're very correct. You're, you're perfect. You're spot on. Now, the Holy Spirit is a manifestation of God in a spirit form. The Holy Spirit is a manifestation of God in a spirit form, in a form that you cannot see, in a form that you know dwells on the inside of you. Jesus was the manifestation, the evidence of God in a human form. right? And God is a God Almighty. No one sees him. No one has ever seen it except for Jesus who came from him. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person who brought about our recreation. I mean, who, I mean, who effected the, uh, the born-again life on the inside of us. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 3. He said, except you be born of the Spirit and of the water, he said, you cannot, be, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus saying that, and Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus there. He was saying to Nicodemus that he needs to be born again. And Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus that to be born again means that the Spirit of God recreates you, gives you a new birth, makes you a new person, not in your exterior look, but on the inside. Amen. And it's the Holy Spirit who carries this out. So the Bible tells us clearly, and I don't want to give you too many uh, verses of the Bible today so that I don't scripturalize this sermon. So the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, I think 113, that when you give your life to Christ, when you believe, when you give your life to Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 113, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But if you look at yourself, the Holy Spirit is not in you. And Shanice told us now that he dwells on the inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But subsequent to being born again, we saw something else in the Bible about a supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit that made people to pray in tongues. Amen. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. We look at a few accounts in the Bible. Then we look at the why baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then we take it up from there. So Acts 2, 1 to 4. Acts 2. So I will read from the New International Version, NIV. So it reads, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Wait, wait, sorry, I'm reading Acts 1. Sorry, Acts 2, sorry. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So let's quickly go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 12. Are we there? Acts 8, 12. It reads, But when they believed Philip as it proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 13. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and on. So the Bible clearly tells us there that um, there's a, there was a point where these, where these people here uh, gave their life to Christ. And somebody else, some other guys came to pray for them to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So these verses of the Bible here differentiate being born again and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be asking, the first, uh, the early church, the guys, the disciples of Jesus, who saw him ascend into heaven, you may be asking, you know, when did those ones become born again? When did they believe? If you go to the book of John chapter 20, you will see where, that, that was the account of the resurrection of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, you know, uh, saw Jesus. After, okay, let's start with, um, was it Peter? And I think John was the other guy. So those guys went to the tomb. They couldn't find him. And when they looked through into the tomb, they saw he was resurrected and they believed. Because what makes a person born again is not that, they were, it's not because they were born into church or into a Christian family. It's because they believe that Jesus died for their sins and he was raised from the, from the dead for their justification to declare them righteous. Right. So those guys believe and, you know, the account goes on and on and tell, tell us about at some, at some point they were in a room, Jesus appeared to them and, um, you know, they saw him as Lord. The summary of the whole thing is that all of the guys, the 120 that were with Jesus, by the time he was ascending to heaven, believed it was Christ. And once they believe, it means they are born again because they believed. Amen. And um, so in Acts 2, that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to, upon them and they began to speak with other tongues. Amen. I'm breaking off. Um, I think we, Don't worry, I'll, I'll find out what the problem is. So another account I would like us to look at is in the book of Acts chapter 19. I'll read from verse 2 to 7, Acts 19. Oh, let me take it from 1, then I'll read down to 7. 
So while Apollos, Acts 19, 1 to 7, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So there was a time they believed in Christ, and there was also a place for receiving the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They are born again, but they have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Interesting. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Can I clearly say something here before we carry on? Water baptism does not save a person. Because these guys were baptized by John and water, but they were not saved. Right, I know the world and the Christian, you know, when I slow down, for the sake of you guys hearing for the first time, when I slow down a little bit, it's because I'm trying to avoid riot. Because many Christians will jump on my case and they can pieces me because I'm showing them what the Bible is. Okay, let me give, give you a gist. There was a time I was attending uh, a Bible study session in one church. And this guy went about, about his, you know, shouting, people must be baptized in water. People must be baptized in water. And I looked at me straight in the eye. I said, if a person gets saved today and they don't get baptized in water before they die, does that mean they will not make heaven? In a sense. He was shocked and he said all his life he has never thought about it. I taught a series on baptism, I think last year or two years ago. I'll teach it again at some point. You will hear some stuff from the Bible that may shock you, but it's the truth. Because we'll read it together. Amen. Please, one thing we must bear in mind is this. The fact that a preacher has been preaching for 20, 30 years does not mean they really understand the Bible with all due respect. The fact that the person speaking to you is a very famous preacher with a worldwide recognized ministry does not mean they understand the Bible. Amen? Please bear that in mind. Uh, I feel like rounding off on that one on, on this note. Because many times we see some things in the Bible and the Holy Spirit is communicating the truth to us. But because we man of God we respect or know, or a popular man of God we respect or know, do not agree with it, then we discredit the truth we see in the Bible because a man of God said it. Can I also tell us that Christianity is a personal walk with God? We don't live our Christian life on the walks, the basis, or the thought or opinion of other Christians is in a personal relationship with God. God forbid, even if I start messing up, you have the right to stop listening to me because you are not tied to me. I'm not your God. I'm not your Lord. I didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. So as long as we are focused on our personal relationship with God, it will be difficult for people to lead, to, to lead us astray. Amen. The word needs to hear, the Christian word needs to hear this. So I was on verse 4. So let's carry on. Acts 19, verse 4. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
uh, there were about 12 men in all. I'll leave about seven out. I think about six is good. So we, we saw the, uh, the sequence of event there. One, these guys were baptized in water unto repentance. The baptism of John was to in water was to prepare, you know, prepare people for the coming of Jesus. Right? Repentance. Repent. Because before you become born again, you should repent of your old ways. You should, like, you should be like, okay, I'm done with this whole life. I, I want a new life in Christ Jesus. So you repent, you receive Jesus, and we could see that Paul laid hands on these guys. But, you know, they received the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with new tongues. Amen. So, why baptism in the Holy Spirit? Why? Now, my point number one is this. It is a gift from God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. That supernatural enablement. I think I skipped something. I did not give you the definition of baptism. So, the baptism, when we say baptism here, we're talking about the feeling of the Holy Ghost. A kind of an infilling of the Holy Ghost. So, I don't know how to technically describe it, but it's a supernatural experience whereby we encounter the Holy Spirit in a deeper dimension, in our spirit. So, that is subsequent to the fact that the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, make you born again. There is an enablement, there is an empowerment. And this enablement, this infilling is not automatic. People got to ask. God has, okay, I'll put it this way. People got to receive it. Because a gift is given to you free of charge. But no matter how much someone places a gift in front of you and offer it to you, if you don't receive it, you can experience it. So, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not automatic. You receive it. So, let's look at John chapter 7, verse 37. John 7, 37. I'll read from verse, I'll read to, to verse 39. It reads, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. From that passage, who are the people who are qualified to receive the Spirit? The, any, anyone who believes, anyone, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, any and every Christian, genuine Christian, is entitled to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says to us that, uh, verse, uh, let me take it again, verse uh, do, 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 do. Verse 39 says, By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Holy Spirit had not been given. Uh, there's another version who talks about, who, that describes it as the gift from the Father. Amen. Gift, it might be New King James, I can't remember now. But the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, if God gives us a gift, we should receive it. Do you agree with me? If God says, I've given this to you, receive it. Point. 
Uh, the reason why we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is for empowerment to be a witness. Empowerment to be a witness. Now, who is a witness? Someone who provides, ev- who provides evidence of what they have experienced. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, 4 to 8. Acts 1, 4 to 8. I was jumping ahead of myself earlier on when I was reading Acts 1. Acts 1, 4 to 8. Uh, let me start from verse 4 there. Let me see what it reads there. Now it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. We'll find out what the gift is now. But wait for the gift my, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now don't forget where we're coming from. We said these guys were already believers. They believed in Jesus. And these were Jesus' last words to them. And I was talking about a gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit, which he has talked about before. He said, then, verse 6 says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What did the Bible say? What did Jesus say they will receive? Power after the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So let's look at it this way. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You receive the Holy Spirit, then you receive power. And you'll be a witness. Let's break it down. So who is a witness? Someone who provides evidence of what they have experienced. So you receive the Holy Spirit. You get a supernatural ability to do what God has called you to do. Amen. You receive power to do what God has called you to do. Praise God. All right. I got it. So do, and it is what you experience that you'll be able to give out, express to, to other people. So except you receive the Holy Spirit and you're empowered, you can't really be a witness. You can't tell or give to people what you have not experienced. And that's why I tell people, I say the Christian life is not something you can cook up. If you, don't, if you are not a genuine Christian, you cannot be. If you don't have an intimate relationship with God, you can't fake it. Amen. So, God wants to be witnesses to, give, to provide... Amen. Amen. Thank you. Right. So, now, on that definition of... Uh, okay, let, let me read it. So, we are called and sent to provide evidence to the truth of Jesus. Now, people are very good at saying all manner of on, um, things that are not sensible all in the name of um, evangelism, right? But Jesus asked us to be a witness to him, to tell the world about what he's done for us. He's not asked us to go into the world and condemn people and tell them they are sinners. It's not our job. 
He said, go into the other world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of people. So when you hear Christians on social media, on YouTube, shouting at people of the world and condemning them and judging them, calling them all kinds of names, they are not doing their job right. They are not doing what they are called to do. The world carries a sinful nature, the nature of Satan, the nature of the devil. To cure the sin of the world, the sinful nature of the world, what we need is the gospel. I think the Christian world is so focused on people's actions and behavior. No, 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 no. Even the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, Jesus said to the woman, go and sin no more. But Jesus was not focused on dealing... Okay, Jesus was not focused on the woman's action and behavior. He was focused on the heart of the woman. He knew the woman needs to receive forgiveness. The woman needs to be healed. Whatever... Because when people commit sexual immorality, the problem is not really the sexual immorality. The problem is really a condition of the heart. I've spoken to a lot of people who have issues with sexual immorality, and at the root of it is a brokenness. Now, God, we are not wired to believe in a sexually immoral life. That's not how we are designed. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that food for the belly, the belly for, the food, uh, the belly for food, is that the body is not meant for sexual immorality. So there's no one living a life of sexual immorality that will not have psychological, emotional problems because we are not wired for that. But the world is telling us that it is pleasure, it is fun, enjoy it, have fun. No, there's depression, there's death in it. The Bible says that our body belongs to the Father, our body belongs to God. So, no matter how much the world, the media, movies try to entice us and say this is good to do to that, the question we should be asking ourselves is, how much joy is this bringing me? Now, I'm not even talking to us, I mean, because one of the things I do as a pastor is I train my church family to be able to deal with these kind of situations out there. So, because you guys join us for the first time, or you're just new in the family, I will try to, you know, uh, I hope I remember to tell you how, how and why I make certain statements. So some, many times I'm not directing my statement at you guys, but I'm equipping and training the church family members on how to deal with these situations so that I can live long. Not all matters should be brought to me. Amen. <laughs> yes, I was talking about a sister in the church that when she has, you know, before the matter gets to me, it must be very, very critical because she will have prayed and she, should have seen, she will have seen results. But when the matter is critical is when she gets to me. But imagine... Everyone, when they have a headache or when they cough, they are calling pastor. I will die quickly, but God doesn't want me to die very quickly. Amen. Right, so this is me, part of how I kind of train people. So I, I had someone visiting me, a young girl, one day, and she said, uh, our colleagues in school, she's an international student, and she said, you know, they're talking about this, that, that, and that. Come and do this, come and do that. And they are telling her she's missing out on the bad stuff they are not doing. I said, that's fine. I said, next time, when they walk up to you and say you are missing out, if you don't go raving, don't go clubbing and rest, I said, that's fine. I said, look them in the eye and say, just look at the eyeball, just look straight in the eye and say, do you know one thing I'm also missing? Depression, anxiety, confusion about my emotions. And I gave her a few of them. I said, look into their eyes and see what happens. I said, I only believe what the Bible says. If the Bible says that it is not correct, it is not right, it is harmful, I choose to stand by the word of God. 
Because people would, okay, let me put this way. God created us, right? He knows how best for us to function. So if the world, the unsafe people, are trying to tell me how to function, right, which is different or contrary to how God designed me to function, who knows better? We believe God knows better. So what I'm trying to say, when God tells me to function in a way that is contrary to how God designed me to function, I will malfunction. Let me bring it to more uh, everyday times. So imagine this uh, loudspeaker on my right-hand side. The manufacturer said, this speaker is to amplify my voice to people in the room or at an event. And I say, no, 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 no. That looks like a punching bag. You know, if I put um, some soft cloth on it and I can use a punching machine, I mean, I'm going to damage the speaker, and the speaker cannot fulfill the intention or the purpose of the manufacturer. Likewise, how much the devil is a liar. Likewise, our body, no matter how much, the, no matter what the, the world tells us to do, all manner of stuff on Instagram, I guess I mean, there is a damaging, destructive consequence. You know, when I, I don't know why I'm going this direction, but this is me. When, I, when I'm teaching, the Holy Spirit will put something in my heart. Say it. The devil, the devil is a liar. And when I'm done, then I carry on my message. You know, I was, I was um, talking to someone. I was, we were talking about Instagram stuff and stuff like that. And I said, you know what? I'm about 17 years older than you. Because I do speak to teenagers. I said, give or take, I'm about 17 years older than you. There's one person at least I am about uh, maybe 20 something years older than them. I said, so if I'm about 25 years older than you, uh, with all due respect, you can't know as much as I do. No offense, no offense. But if I'm 25 years older than you, you can never know as much as I know. And I said, you know what? I've done all manner of stuff many years ago that I still regret to today. Because I have kids in church, there are things that I won't go into details of this. That say, there are things I've done when I was young that I still feel the, uh, the psychological impact till today. Things over 20 years ago. Right. So I'm saying, I haven't done experiments in my life, stupid experiments, disobedience and all kind of stuff. I can tell anybody categorically that what the Bible says is the, is the correct thing. Anything anybody else says, you will malfunction. Amen. Okay, I think I'm done then. So let's carry on. Uh, Jesus calls us to be witnesses, you know, to, uh, to share the evidence of his presence in our lives. So I've tried to uh, explain to us also that we are not called to be the judge and jury of the world, condemning people. You know, uh, one more thing. Yes, this is very important. So we are not called to advertise our church denomination. That one needs to be louder. Or a man or woman of God. You hear things like, my reverend, my bishop said, my prophetess said, my prophet said, who is your prophet? Who is your bishop? Who is your prophetess? I don't give a rip. Where is Jesus? Right? I'm not expecting members of the Transformers Church to go advertise Transformers Church. Minister the gospel. You know, in my times of going out doing evangelism, I don't start with the church. I start with, you know, talking to the people about Christ. And 
19% of the time, the people always ask me, please, which church do you attend? Because the church is a place where we train believers to go out and do the work of the ministry. We also do community together, do life together. But principally, each and every one of us should be out there ministering the gospel, giving evidence to the power of God, the power of Christ to heal. Some people, you may be meeting them in a town that they are passing through at that point in time. And Jesus wants you to witness, to minister the gospel to them. So when we are prophet, prophetess, church, man of God minded, we are not able to minister the gospel to people and we are losing opportunities to help people come to Christ. And so, this is on point two, empowerment. Okay. I will, okay, we will talk about this. You know, why Satan is um, interrupting my conversation, right? Everything should be fine, right? But I don't know what's going on there, but that's fine. So if you cut me off, I'll repeat it. Amen. Right. So why empowerment? Now, if you remember the, uh, Acts 1.8, the Bible says, that, but you, Jesus speaking to his disciples said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, in hollow Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, one thing the Holy Spirit just laid in my heart is this. We live in a world where there's so much wickedness. And there's so many negative forces pressing on us, wanting to confuse us. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you cannot always beat those forces. And, not, and no motivational speaking, success seminars can help us to beat the invisible, invisible forces in those world. When I say beat, I'm not talking about a combat with the devil. I'm talking about putting them at bay, silencing them so that they don't override your mind with your own imagination and thoughts. They are too powerful for the human strength to deal with. They are very skilled. They've been in this world much longer before you and I were born. They know what to say to make you shake. They know what to say to make you feel uncomfortable. So without the empowerment, enablement of the Holy Ghost, we will always be subject to the oppression and manipulation of these forces. So I'm going to go through quickly uh, why empowerment. We shut down, and next week we get into speaking with tongues. So the Greek word there, power, the Greek word for, that, for power in that verse 8 of Acts 1 means dynamis. It means miraculous power. It's ability. Ability, might. All right. I'll repeat. It means ability, might, and strength. When you have the time, you can read more about, um, read Acts chapter 2 and read John chapter 20. And even the story of Peter when Jesus was being uh, taken away to be persecuted, to be crucified, I mean. Now, when Jesus was being taken away to be crucified, Peter was afraid. He ran. He denied Jesus three times. Even after they believed in Christ Jesus, they were still timid because they still, the Bible says in John chapter 20 that they were in a particular room, for, and they were hiding in the room for the fear of the Jews. Now, on the day of Pentecost, after they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Peter stood up with the other guys and addressed 3,000 people, telling them about the gospel. Now, the gospel that Peter was not very bold to talk about before, well, he didn't have better understanding, though. 
because of an empowerment, a strength, an ability on the inside, he was speaking about it boldly. People ask me, guy, okay, not ask me, but they said to me that I want to be bold like you. I said, guy, he's a Holy Ghost. And my boldness is not from, it's not something I cook up. Because many times I will have said some stuff and I'll be asking myself, Tony, what came over you? I mean, good stuff. I will have preached the gospel, I will have confronted some people in the world. And when I'm doing it, there's a boldness coming from the inside, not from my mind. And then one day, I'm like, guy, what came over you? I've gone to places where I. Um, for the rest of the week, I was feeling bad for myself. I was like, guy, you've just gone to scatter that place. And, and I was feeling bad, like, like, you know, these guys are, with all due respect, no offense, no offense, no offense. These guys are British, they're not Africans, right? So they were so reserved, and somebody tried to shut me down. And I was meeting the couple who was hosting us a few weeks later. And they said to me, Tunde, that day you came into our house was a turnaround in our life spiritually in this family. They have been waiting for that moment that somebody will come in and just tear things. And that was a turnaround in their spiritual life as a family. But I was on the bed, I was thinking, guy, what came over you? you when will you watch your mouth? But I just stood, like Peter spoke, uh, stood in Acts chapter 2. We'll get there next week. I just stood and said, hi. This person would like to receive baptism Holy Ghost. Let's get around them and let's pray for them. And everybody was like, uh, amen. So it's not something you cook up. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is powerful. Amen. It's literally like, it activates the power of God on the inside of you. Amen. If we don't receive baptism in the Spirit, if we don't receive this enablement, we'll struggle in our Christian life. Amen. It's another thing for us you to receive. It's another thing for you to walk in it. Use it. Because many believers can pray in tongues, but many believers don't pray in tongues or do not even understand the reason why they pray in the Spirit. Neither do they have an expectation of praying in the Spirit. You guys are in for a treat. Amen. Uh, so, another note, point I have is this. It clearly speaks, now this is power, it, it clearly speaks of the presence and anointing of the Holy Spirit as being the power source in the believer's life. You want to live an effective Christian life, a powerful one, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you're praying in tongues already, you want to be reminded of the power, what to expect when you pray in tongues. Many times our mind is bombarded with a lot, of stuff, a lot of stuff going on in the world. But may, oftentimes we need to remind ourselves that when I pray in tongues, I'm going to show us next week, I edify myself. So I expect myself to be strengthened, to be built up when I pray in the spirit. I expect myself to clearly hear what God is saying about a situation. I expect things to change in the, realm, in the atmosphere when I pray in the spirit. I expect when I get to work, some demonic guys will behave themselves. I don't want to give them titles and names in the workplace when I step in. Yes. There's, some, there's someone in, in, in a workplace, and I don't want to go into details. And they really, really harassed me one day, and they really, really miss me. I mean, they really, really trashed me because of my boss. But they got away with that one. I got back home after I recovered. After I recovered, I prayed in the spirit, and I said, If this person tries it again, I will give it to them. I'll look, when I miss, it says, Say, give it to them. I'm going to look them in the face, and I'll say, In your life. And I mean it. 
in your life, never threaten or intimidate me again. Yes. And I still mean it today. If they try with me tomorrow, I'll say, can I have five minutes with you? Last time you did this, I've never been, ever been, been so belittled in my life. But I'm telling you, look at I'm a child of God. Never, I repeat, never try such thing with me again. If you have a problem, let's fix it. Now, somebody may say, but you may lose your job. Now, it's one of the reasons why I advise believers to be good at what they do. Right? If I throw out my CV the following day, right, people are going to be ringing my phone. And don't forget, your boss is not your source. God is your source, is your provider. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not want. So many believers, many Christians say things like, the Lord is my shepherd, but they are not skilled in what they do. So they cannot, so they are usually afraid of for finding that job or supply or something. And the, and the faith of the believer have to be exercised. Amen. I remember I was, somebody paid, played politics on me in a job. I was just starting my career at that point in time in project management. And my wedding was around the corner. So I did all the more. Sit down, stop this. <clears throat> I needed all the money in the world to, for that wedding. Because as I'm getting paid, I'm sending to my fiancé, you know, pay for that, pay for that. So they played politics on me, and they got me fired in one week. <clears throat> because they saw me talking to another black person. I don't pull race card, but this was happened. So somebody went to do kind of, they, they, they did the nonsense. And as I stepped out of the building, I said, I will not lose even a day pay. That was the first word that came out of my mouth. I will not. So they paid me one week in advance because they've done their evil, right? I was a temporary staff. And I said, I said, I will not lose even a day pay. So the, I think they got rid of me on Friday, in the job on Friday. By the following week, I was in another job. So I had a pay, I had a pay overlap. <laughs> Do you know what we are talking about? We're talking about the almighty God. But, the, but faith and confidence in, in God the Father most of the time does not come from the fact that you're just born again. But from the activation and the consciousness of the power of God at work on the inside of you. Amen. So I've put here, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is not limited to strength beyond the ordinary. That power also involves courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability to fulfill God's mission for our lives. There's a lot, but let me just pick on one, one and let us look into it. Insight. If you have ever struggled to, to have deep insight into what the Bible says, you receive baptism in the Holy Spirit and you realize that your spiritual capacity is enhanced to understand the depth of spiritual things. Let's get into it next week. you see what I'm talking about. Because as you are praying in the Spirit, I'll go into details of, of it next week, you realize that there's a spiritual comprehension that you are getting. See, I have, I experience it, it's how I live my life. So I can tell you, but I can be a witness because I've experienced it and that's how I am living my life. If you don't have understanding about some things in the Bible, you pray in the spirit and as you're reading, you realize you start seeing what you don't normally see in the Bible. So when we encourage people to receive baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is for their benefit. Amen. 
And another powerful thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that it shows your spiritual sensitivity. So if somebody is trying to lure you into something that will ruin you, you are quicker to tell that this is a lie. This is a bait. This is destruction. Amen. It's so fantastic. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Amen. You, if anybody is struggling with expression, what I've taught you about praying in tongues and what I'm going to, oh, sorry, about baptism in the Holy Spirit and what I'm going to share next week, you practice it. If you are going through any kind of anxiety, depression, and you practice it and see what happens to you after you step out. So praying in the spirit, I mean, speaking in other tongues is not a fashion, it's not a cliche. No, no, no. I mean, I will show us. The Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speak unto God, speaks ministries. In my own terms, releases power. Amen. So when you are walking by the roadside and you're praying in tongues and people are laughing at you, they should be laughing at themselves because they need, they need what you carry. Amen. You know, sometimes when I want to deal with some people, like, uh, <laughs> my workplace is coming up. <laughs> and I, I pl- so that people don't think, why, why is he talking to himself? So I put one you think I'm on the phone if you call me if I catch you <laughs> amen okay uh, maybe he's speaking in his um he's speaking in his lang- is a native language no I'm speaking in heavenly language spiritual language amen and later they will tell me that I entered a room and there's a presence that went with me how that they could see a presence or feel a presence why would not feel a presence because I carry the power of God and I know what I carry and the, the demons among them, knowing what I carry, they can they will threaten you, they will disturb you. Sometimes when some people are work are frustrating your life, it's because they know what you carry. I get to me, you just need to have an opportunity, ensure that you've written your resignation letter, right? And they call them in a room and say, Don't try it again. And they behave themselves. You know, one guy said something, one something nasty, one of my calls, one of my meetings at work. I sent him a message the following day. I booked a time, I booked a meeting in his diary. I said, um, I'd like us to have a, I would like to give you feedback from your comment in the meeting yesterday. He started laughing, started smiling. No, no, no. he was running. T- today, he's still running and avoiding me. If I catch him. Because I know this has been streamed, so there are certain things that I don't want to say. But I know we live in a world whereby, you, you know, if you belong to the minority, the majority, Keep quiet. Do not allow the majority to intimidate you because of your whatever differentiation, you know what I'm talking about, whatever they, they want to choose because I'm a pastor, so it's quite challenging for me to uh, say certain things uh, without causing riot. I get to me. So if people tend to segment you and put you in a box in a corner, you don't allow it. Ensure your mind is set on who you are in Christ Jesus. God does not see color. Finally, I got there. God does not see height. God does not see male or female. He sees spirit. And the Bible tells us there's no male or female in him. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, but Christ. And we are all members of one body. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, to shut, to shut down, empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit, we need this for spiritual edification, supernatural communication with the Father, and to also enhance our prayer life. So, I will pick it up from here next week. We'll expound on that. And then we hope by God's grace that some of us will be able to receive baptism in the Holy Ghost if you had not received. And you come back and thank me, right? Um, I'm not one of those uh, pastors who tell you to come and pay me for what um, 
for any ministration I do, but um, I'm sure you won't take me out for lunch. Because after I minister the Holy Ghost to you, and you receive, and you go and pray in tongues, and you get to walk, and that bully or that intimidator in your life, you look them in the face and say, if they born you were coming there again, ah, you won't take me out for lunch. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray.